Welcome to the Leadership to Wealth podcast. On today's episode, we interview a business strategist who talks to us about how to make money and love the journey. He teaches inspiration versus motivation for men in business and how to use fulfillment as fuel as we navigate making money in our everyday life and business. Today's show, Pradeep Sangha. All right. Welcome, Leadership Nation. Uh, so glad that you could be with us. Uh, today we have uh, Pradeep Senga. So now you came from BC. You're you're residing in uh, TO now, or the T dot, or the 416, or the 905. Um, we, we've taken on the states and going everything by area codes now. But yep. um you your podcast that you've got phenomenal you're you're a business strategist entrepreneur yourself uh you've written this book which we should probably just let's just jump into a little bit about the book and why the book uh the complete man what was what was the impetus for writing the book yeah well uh so the impetus of writing the book was based on a lot of the st a lot of the work that we do right now so we have an entire division of our business where we focus on helping men men in leadership roles entrepreneurs executives and we help them be not only successful in business but also successful in their personal lives so it's it's com it's combining the two about seven years ago uh, because of my background we can we can get into that if you like i i really i was focusing on the business side. But what I realized is a lot of the people that we were working with, they need to help on the personal side, the personal performance side. So it just started to shift where we started to do more work on the personal side. 80% of the work that we were doing was there. The business side is actually the easy part. And that just, it, it just hit me. And I was resisting it at first, but then hey, after- Hang on, hang on, hang on. Did you just drop that like a, a, a nugget of gold there? The, the business side- was the easy part. Yeah. Is what you just dropped and moved right over that. Can, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'm just gonna write that down. Carry, carry on, okay. Carry yeah, on. no, it's absolutely true because the business part, the business strategy, the business execution, well, I shouldn't say the execution, the strategy, the marketing, all that kind of stuff is the easy part. It's the execution that is the bigger challenge and the execution is not necessarily the technical execution, it's a personal execution. How do I show up and make sure that I, as an individual, as a business leader, as a CEO or a business owner, show up at my best, do all the things that I need to do to make sure that I'm motivated, get all my tasks done, and I motivate and inspire my team members. And that's not always easy because, hey, look, I'm married, I have kids, I might not be in a great relationship with my wife or I might've gotten in an argument, so any, you can say, idle moment that I have, I may be thinking about that argument. So my performance is dropping because of my personal life and how I manage my mindset. So when we were working with entrepreneurs and executives, this is what we were working with them on. How do they shift their mindset, their emotional capacity? How do they have more creativity, better problem solving skills? All of that stuff outside of the technical business stuff. And so after a while, I basically, I, I didn't want to get into that space of being known as a life coach or anything like that, or personal development or motivation. But it, I, I had to give in at some point and say, okay, you know, these people need help. We got to, we got to focus on this and combine the two very strategically. That's why we created our firm, which very strategically, when someone comes to us, we can help both on the business side and on the personal side, where that's very unique in Canada these days. You, you can't really get help 
you know, on the business advisory and on the personal advisory together. And so when COVID happened, so my passion is really helping people perform and be successful in life. But I have a very, you can say, specific skill set in working with men just because of my background. And majority of our clients, about 80% of our clients are men. And when COVID happened, it was a, it was a sign for me because within the first two months, I said, I'm going to write this book. I already had basically all the content in my head. And I knew this was going to be a challenging time for men. Because if the economy shuts down, people, you know, business were saying, okay, we're going we're gonna to start closing things down. We're not sure what's going to happen to the economy. Um, people are getting starting to the conversations about layoffs. I said, okay, I got to write this book. So within a matter of 10 months, it was written, published, and out there because I wanted men to have something that they can go to to help them through this challenging moment. We know that that was one of the most challenging, the last two years or three years almost have been some of the most challenging times for people, but also men, because they've lost their jobs, they've lost their businesses, they've lost their self-worth, especially with men. If they lose their job or career, they, they're more likely to lose their self-worth. So that's why I wrote the book at that particular time. It was just a culmination of my life's work. And it was just, you could say, the perfect timing or the ideal timing for us to release it. And so that's our mission is really to help people, but specifically men, because if they can be better leaders, better husbands and better fathers, well, our society is going to benefit all, all the way around. So mm -hmm. uh, it, it's, it's a personal passion of mine, mainly because I saw my dad as an entrepreneur come to this country with next to nothing. He, uh, at that time, he wasn't an entrepreneur. He just physically worked hard on an orchard, bought his own and became successful, but he wasn't fulfilled. There's something missing in his life, and he struggled with alcoholism as a result. Eventually, that took his life because he had diabetes, and he his alcohol accelerated the diabetes, and he died of a sudden heart attack. His goal was to hit 65, right? You come to Canada, you get the government pension at 65. As an immigrant, that's a huge milestone because that says, I did it, um, but he died at 64 and a half. So that's, that's what drives me day in and day out because it was like a sign from my dad saying, go son you just got to keep working harder and harder and help more guys out there yeah uh, that is that's pretty intense to have that driving you in that area i absolutely agree with what you're saying in terms of the execution in business really happens when the other elements are being addressed i know for a fact that when elements at home are not working elements at work don't work mm -hmm. you, you know that that stuff just starts falling apart primarily because i don't get to be who i want to be i don't get to show up in the world the way that i want to show up because this is the bubble that gives me the power to to show up in all of those other places. And I, I've got to be honest, I can only say that because I've done so much destruction over here <laughs> that it it took that to, to realize, okay, I need to take care of this, the castle. I got to take yep. care of the castle yep. so that I can go out and fight the wars out there. And you, yep. know, you were talking about sports. Sports is a microcosm of life. 
it's what we love about it. You get to watch all the ups and downs, the the injuries, the the victories, the moral victories, the someone willing themselves to the next level. You get to see all of those things, yeah. and you even get to see the the better team, the better opponent lose sometimes they've got everything going for them and they still fall down yep. and uh, they can still lose to the little guy or you know to someone else because on the, any given sunday you know or any, at any given point and i think that's that all really speaks to us as guys because you know it's continually reinforcing that for us and then and then there's obviously just the aspect of, you know, by and large, you can probably drink beer and have nachos and all of those <laughs> kinds of things. So, <laughs> but I, I want to, I want to ask a couple of things because you just threw them in there very subtly about goal setting. And I was listening to one of your episodes where you talked about, you talked about goal setting. So guys, uh, you know, if you want to get more about this and goal setting, you can go to his podcasting, and go check that out. Great conversation there. Where you talk about, oftentimes, people don't set goals, number one. Then number two, people that do set goals, but then they realize, this was, you put it so beautifully, they, they climb the ladder only to realize that it's leaning up against the wrong wall. Okay. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because that that feels like my like my life story. Putting <laughs> putting ladders up, climbing them, and then uh, you know, and then going, oh, this is you know, back to that fulfillment aspect. I suppose you you're climbing up and you're going, wait, this isn't actually where I wanted to end up. What what's going on? Or I I climbed the ladder perfectly, and this isn't this isn't it. Yeah, I think the first thing there is um, that is part of the process as well, because I think when we when we climb the wrong ladder, it, it teaches us something. Right. And that's also very important. So it's not a it's not a sign of failure. It's actually a sign of growth, which is very important. So when we when we have conversations with people, we always talk about, OK, what do you want to feel at the end of the day? And that's very important. And guys, like, what do you mean? What do I want to feel? I just want to make a bunch of money, and I want to, you know, have a yacht or do whatever. It's like, okay, well, feelings are important because everything we do revolve around our feelings, right? We have this target. Um, we want to achieve so much money, but if we don't know how we want to feel on a daily basis, then we're not. We're going to be lost. And this yes. is the biggest thing. So yes. some people want to feel passionate. Some people want to feel content. Some people want to feel exhilarated. For example, there's people that love, I got a friend that loves heli skiing. That's not for me. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not in for wanting to feel like I'm going to die today. I like peace and content. I like a challenge, but not that much of a challenge. So yes. everybody is different. And so it's important to know what you, how you want to feel as an individual. Then you can actually work backwards and say, okay, what kind of lifestyle do I want to have that will support those emotions? And then what kind of business or career will support that lifestyle? And then what kind of goals do I need to set both long-term and short-term to achieve, whether it's business results or the lifestyle results? That's where goals come in. So you have long-term goals and knowing that, you know, I wouldn't, Here's the thing. Long term should be a vision, not necessarily a goal, because goals are very specific and things change throughout your life. You may be married to someone 
and and be married to someone else a decade later. But you you should have some kind of a vision that you want for your life, whether that's traveling, whether you want to have a healthy family, whether you want to give back or whatever that looks like. And then you can break that vision down into goals in terms of, okay, how much money do you need to have, right? What does your health need to be like? But there's a very important piece here is that those goals need to inspire you. And this is one of the things that I see people fall short on, on is their goals don't inspire them. And I see this, especially with guys. It's like, okay, first of all, a lot of us don't write down our goals in the first place. So having them written down is very, very, very important. Why? Because our brain, here's what our brain does. Our brain is actually a goal-driven organ, right? This is where the science comes in. If you don't give your brain a goal, guess what? It will find a goal of some sort. And a lot of the times that goal is not your goal. It's somebody else's goal. It's society's goal. It's your wife's goal. It's your kid's goal. You need to have your own goals so that your brain can actually start to pick up on information. This is what happens. Your brain actually picks up on, on information that aligns with that goal and actually pushes out information or filters out information that is not aligned. Right. So that will enable you to execute more effectively. The second thing is you want to make sure that there's emotions behind it. Stanford Mm -hmm. did a a number of studies around this where it was really around the more emotions, powerful and empowering emotions you put behind your goals, the more effective you will be in executing more consistent, more persistent and more passionate you will be. So when I ask guys, like, how do you feel about your goals? You know, if they're not excited, I'm like, you got to rewrite them. You got to do something. You yes. got to put some energy into them, right? You know, pretty. it's interesting because when I was younger, first of all, you know, you would hear things like this, but no one actually showed you how a vision or dreams and then goals and then plans, how any of those things were interconnected, right? And And so... It was like, okay, I've got these dreams. And then you find out we all go out there, you try to achieve them and you get knocked down and you're like, well, that's a bunch of malarkey. That's a bunch of crap. <laughs> Let's, you know, and and then you're like, okay, let me just do whatever is in front of me and is what normally happens. And people, mm-hmm. most people just stop with the goals right there. That's it. They will not write down another goal after that, uh, from that point on, you know, maybe it go to, post-secondary school is about as far as the goals get written down and then and then that's it and what i found as as i've grown is that if you really use it you properly you can actually use them as a map to get to where you're trying to go and now you're actually bringing in this other element that i i love that you're able to articulate it is that because otherwise, as guys, we will put down that goal and then we'll go about achieving it, whatever it is, written down, not written down. We go after it and then we get there. And it's kind of like this shirt, you know, should, could, would, <laughs> did. And it's such a guy's T-shirt. Shout out to Jeremy Torusk, uh, where I got the shirt from. It's such a guy's shirt, right, that we're going to fight against the man where we should have, could have, would have, but, you know. We fought against all those things and we did it. And what did we do? And you're sitting there looking around going, wait, hang on. What did I do? I, I made a bunch of money, but less 
then probably less than 1% of the entire world actually, actually gets any satisfaction out of money. Mm-hmm. Like there, it is a very small percentage. I happen to know one gentleman who literally just seeing the numbers is what gives them satisfaction. But other than that, the, the vast majority of us, there is something linked to that. There is that, that satisfaction, that, that peace, that comfort, the, the ability to take care of your family, mm-hmm. the, all of these other pieces that are what money achievement actually mean. And if we don't see those things, then we run around blindlessly and oftentimes put those ladders onto the wrong wall. And, and this is what I I'm hearing from you. Yeah. This is a core concept of, of being the complete man, because it's about inner growth rather than external growth. And that if you, and this happens very uh, prevalently with men is that you, men tend to focus on all these external factors. And when they have those external factors, they feel like something's missing. And it's because they haven't grown internally at that level that they could have grown in life. And so when we talk about challenges, when we talk about achievements, the number one thing that creates that fulfillment piece, A, is giving back to people. Yes. Right? That That is absolutely one. But the second piece is looking back and saying, wow, look how much I've grown as a person, as an individual, as a business leader, as a father, as a husband, whoever, as a human being on this journey. Like I've developed so many more skills. I've developed a stronger mindset. I have more inner control. I've started to master myself, right? And those little things don't bug me anymore. That's what truly creates fulfillment. But Pradeep, there's a there's a piece in there, and I just want to speak for the people that are listening right now. Uh, there's a piece there where people go, yeah, I get it feels good to give back. And yes, I want to be this nice guy. But what I found in life is that that doesn't make you any money. What do you say to that? Hmm. Um Giving back, absolutely, because what is money? Money is an exchange of value, right? You get money from exchanging value. So anything, and this is this is it, like this is my core concept, and I had to learn this the hard way. All of the great business deals, all of the great clients that we've brought on was about contribution first. That's that's what it was, right? And it wasn't about making money. In fact, when I have partnership conversations with people now, if if it starts to talk, if we start to talk about money first then it's kind of a red herring. It's kind of giving me this icky feeling where it's like, no, it's more about helping people. And you will see this, the most successful individuals out there, um, they're the ones that want to give back first, right? So if you can give back and make money at the same time, it's golden. And essentially, that's what business is about. Business is about creating a customer and creating a client. And in order to do that, you got to provide value. You got to give them something of value. So it's essential concept of business. So contribution, like a successful business, if we take a look at it, you give to your clients, you give to your employees, you give to society, right? And you give to yourself. So if you can meet all of those criteria, then you're going to have a long lasting, more, more likely a successful business. And those entrepreneurs that follow those principles and values and philosophies are the ones that have the most successful businesses. And I'm not saying that, yeah, we, we all know people, in, in all honesty, we know people that are worth 
tons and tons and tons of money and they've been shysters and they've, you know, they've gone out and they're not nice people and they don't really like to contribute and they've done extremely well. But the question I always ask, and this goes back to an old saying that I, I heard and I don't, I'm not sure where it came from, but when you see, you know, someone who is rich, it's an old, this is an old saying, the first question that people ask is, yeah, but is that person happy? Right. It's our natural tendency, right? To look for that flaw to say, yeah, is that person really happy? Does that person really have a good marriage or good health or whatever it is? But how often do we look at a happy person and say, yeah, but is that person rich? We don't really do that because when we see someone who is genuinely happy, we're almost in envy, right? We're in envy. Like, what is that person yeah. doing to actually yeah. be that happy? I wish I could be that happy, right? So, yeah. so we, in society, obviously, this has always been a, a comparison, has always been a, a big thing in society. But I would say from what I have seen, from our experience and the people that we've worked with, contribution is a big factor to them actually being successful and making money and being fulfilled at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, when you just said it, I sometimes when I'm in a room and everybody's too happy. I feel awkward. I'm like, uh, I don't feel that. Why don't I feel that happy? Or, you know, and, and it's the funniest thing because I, I like to uh, recognize that I'm a very driven person and being driven. Part of that makes me happy. Like mm. we're, we're, when you talked about contributing, when I'm contributing to someone, man, that makes me happy. Uh, the, I went recently to Dominican Republic and there were all these people that were like, I'm living my best life ever. And I was like, this, this is your best life. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm enjoying the sun. I'm enjoying the pool. I'm at, but this is boring in comparison to my regular life, being able to be with people and, and show up and, you know, we're making money together. We're doing all these kinds to me that, is my best life and yeah. it's interesting to watch as people have been sold this bill of goods that the party mm -hmm. is the is the best life meanwhile yeah. i think i think fighting alongside one another in a worthwhile in the advancement towards a worthwhile goal is is really the the uh, party to me yeah, and I think you know you outlined a, a very important factor there. And it's really interesting because what brings one person happiness may not bring happiness to somebody else. Like I said, my friend who's heli skiing, man, he is alive, and he, you know that's not happiness for me, right? So everybody has a different thought of yeah. happiness, and there's a biological factor to this as well, um, because guys, especially you know sports, like I said before, sports will because we have testosterone. We love to see our team winning, right? Yes. When and studies show this, when our team wins, our testosterone spikes, like it actually significantly spikes. When our team loses, our testosterone drops, and that's a core part of being a guy. That's why a lot of women look at guys with sports like, why are you guys going so crazy over this stuff? Because it's biologically inherent in us, right? And testosterone mm -hmm. is a lively hormone for us as guys. So everybody's journey is different to a varying degree. Could, could also be why some women uh, like 
men's sporting events because you're around a whole bunch of oh yeah <laughs> jacked up dudes yeah exactly and they can sense it right the pheromones yeah. they know yes, that, yes. That, that's what it's about so happiness means different things to different people and yeah. the dalai lama said it the best right no two roads are the same and if someone is going down a path just because it's not your or exactly like your path doesn't mean that they're not going to end up where they want to be so yeah. i i think having tolerance is very important as well for individuals um, and there's a lot of judgment in today's society as well. Not that judgment wasn't around. It's always been around, but it's a lot easier to judge people because of social media. We have instant access. We can see what people are up to 24 seven, what they're eating, when they're going to the washroom, all these other things. Um, and that really comes as, as a, a comparison. Anytime we compare ourselves and this has been shown, right. And we've done studies on this too. Anytime you compare yourself to someone who's doing better than you, you don't feel so great. So you might be temporarily motivated. You might be temporarily motivated, but long-term you feel less. Anytime you compare yourself to someone who has less than you or in a worse situation, you actually feel better. It's kind of funny how things work. You may be temporarily feeling sorry for them, but after a while you, you have gratitude to say, thank God my life is actually this good, right? Mm-hmm. So comparison, we have to be caught, we have to be aware of how we compare ourselves and our lives to other people, our paths to other people, because there's a pos- there's a positive side, but there's also a negative side as well. That's very interesting. I was at an event recently and I was watching these different presenters and exhibitors, and they were they're they're there and they're talking about everything that they're talking about is amazing and fantastic. And I was sitting there and I'm and I'm listening. And some of them I was thinking, I don't think you actually believe anything you're saying, number one. Um and some of them, you know, they're they're talking. I just was left with a feeling afterwards. I was actually I actually felt sad. Because what I was left with was a group of people that were trying to sound like they're amazing and everything. And I'm thinking, why is it that no one can actually just admit that maybe this is what I'm good at and, and then this is, this is not beneficial? Why? There's almost like this continual, everything that I've got to say has got to be the best thing ever otherwise you know people will uh you know they'll think oh i should go somewhere else i i almost wonder what why is that that we have that sort of in in society in this comparison game that we always think that we have to have everything better than everybody else otherwise um we're doing something wrong yeah well it goes deeper it goes into our our biology and our evolutionary development so okay tell us more yeah, one of the one of the core aspects is you know there's there's seven biological or evolutionary things that are built into us, right? Finding safety, for example, preventing avoiding disease, finding a mate, having children. But one of the core aspects is actually social status. It is actually ingrained into us more for men than women, but social status is a very evolutionary and biologically programmed state in our minds we always go back to how do we compare against that other person that's in the room with me because back in the day that meant do i get enough food do i get enough sex am i going to be able to procreate am i going to be safe 
right? And so we naturally do that. And it's it's something that we've been programmed to do. Now, we don't have the same way of living that we did hundreds of thousands of years ago, if you believe in evolution. And I know some people, you know, have a different thought. But, you know, when humans have been around for hundreds of thousands of years, well, that's that's how it was. It was if you were part of society, the higher status you had, the more food, the more sex, the basically the more perks you would get. So we, we, when we walk into the room, especially with guys, not that women don't do this, they do this too, but we, we do it from a different perspective. We size up other guys physically, their physical stature, because it's like, can I take this man on? And we don't, it might not be consciously, but in case this person is a threat or in case there's an attractive woman around, am I going to be more attractive to that woman compared to this guy? That is how we are built. Yes. And so in today's society, what is that? more money, uh, a better status or a better position or title or however many businesses you have, whatever it may be, or how many followers you have, right? That's a whole concept there. All of these things are based on social status that are inherent to our biology. That's why we have this need to be our best selves, but it's not even about our best selves. That's why it's so unhealthy. Because when we talk about the complete man, it's not about comparing ourselves to other people. It's about comparing ourselves to our former selves. How do yes. we grow? So yes. when we compare ourselves to someone else, it becomes unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, where we are so caught up in this and social media just makes it easier to do that. So hopefully that gives some kind of background as to why we, you might've, you know, why these individuals might've uh, been acting that way in that particular instance. Yeah, well, it it's interesting. You mentioned when you when you've got a group of dudes together, and they're they're doing their things. Where we're being dudes, and then enter in a woman, and it is just the funniest thing that well, <laughs> how a group of dudes can devolve, even if none of them. Um, you know, we could all be married and it's, there's just something that automatically clicks and you're like, and you can feel it and you can think, okay, do, do not devolve. And yet you still find yourself, even if you're not chasing down the woman, right? Uh, guys, look, we're, we're going to, we're going to try to break this down. Even <laughs> though you're not trying to chase her down to, to get into her pants, you automatically like I, i'll find myself i'll automatically turn into protector mode mm -hmm. right like i've got two daughters uh hang on i gotta keep the the other dudes that are slimy <laughs> off of her it's it's just the the funniest thing that you're right all of these biological things just start kicking in in that way yeah. especially when you're talking about men and women and for people that don't acknowledge that you know, I don't have anything for you, so we'll, we'll move on <laughs> to something else. But it's it's an amazing thing because I also have two boys. I got four kids, and oh wow, my boys, yeah, my boys are uh, they're into those teenage years. My youngest hasn't it, testosterone hasn't fully hit yet, and so I can watch the dynamic as the old one when when the testosterone kicks in. And he tries to impose his dominance on the dog, on his younger brother, when when he tries to test with me. It's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Men, you know, uh, to watch how we 
you know, try to, um, what's the word, uh, sort of set ourselves up in that social status yep. in any environment we're in, any setting that we're in, we automatically start trying to figure out what the pecking order and who's who in the zoo, right? That, that's, that's so true. Yeah, my son's eight years old or nine years old now, and he's in that state where he, he's testing me physically. And he bumps into me. And when I'm consciously... At, at eight years old. Nine years old. Yeah, he's... he's nine years in, old. Sorry. Yeah, nine years old. He's in there physically. Like, he's trying to assert his dominance. This is a natural part of what it's like, right? Yeah. And I have to be consciously aware because he'll come and throw himself into me. And my natural reaction, if I'm not conscious, is to push back. Right? Because I'm... I'm as a guy, for example, especially when I'm working out, I warn my son because we have a gym at home. And I said, if I'm working out, please don't come around me and poke and prod me because my testosterone is at its max and I may react, right? Because if I'm doing weights or something and he pushes me, my instant reaction is going to be to push back because the testosterone is maxed out. That is biological. So I have to tell him, son, like, uh, you know, I may not be fully aware, like I'll, I'll be as conscious as I can when he's working out, but this is what ends up happening, right? Because our biology kicks in. And so something happened the other day and I, and I, I actually kind of straight armed him because he was coming at me and I was, I was in the middle of working out and I didn't throw him. I just basically stopped him and he got pissed off. I'm like, son, you, I told you, right. I'm working out. You, you gotta let me have my space. Right. So it's not yeah. a bad thing. We just have to be conscious of it. And I'm teaching him too at the same time because I said, son, we're playing. And, you know, I'm not going to fight back. We might play wrestle, but if you're going to start to assert dominance, you better well understand that whoever you're going to start to assert it is going to push back. Yes. They're going to push yes. back. So be prepared. When you go out there with the boys on the on the field and you start pushing each other, is someone might be bigger and stronger, so just be prepared, right? Yeah. So he understands yeah. that. Yeah, that's a it's a great lesson to teach. I, I it's interesting because with my boys, we've done some, uh, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and we'll we'll train. And for a for a number of years, I was I, I thought I was doing them a disservice if I didn't give it my all every time. And uh, one of uh, one of my teachers said to me, he said, you should be having fun the entire time. And for, for me, my journey should be to put myself in the worst position possible. And if they get me, then they get me. And the, it's perfectly fine. You know, they get you in a chokehold. You can't get out. It, it's good for their it's good for them to learn that and understand that. And now rather than it being a competition, it's about exploration and learning. And, yeah. uh, and so that was, that was a huge turning point where then in my interactions with my boys, we were able to train and, and they were able to start winning continually without me sort of giving up or, or giving them some sort of false expectations it's, hey, in this position, here's what I'm working on. And, hey, good job. You, you know, you got me. And so it changed the dynamic to be able to give them that reinforcement, that confidence without having to make everything, uh, you know, into that competitive drive, which especially when you're doing something physical can be really difficult for, for men to do. 
Yeah, that's actually very important for fathers to understand and 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 um, mothers too, because when you, we see our sons get physical, and not that girls don't, but boys tend to have be more physical because of the testosterone. It can be any time, anywhere between a hundred to thousand times more d- during puberty, for example, than than girls. And testosterone has been linked to aggression, but when it play is very important for boys because it shows them how to have more confidence. It shows them how to assert their social status. So it's actually a natural part uh, for for kids to grow up. They learn. Play is actually tied to learning. And so if we constantly become the referees, yeah, after you know punching each other in the nose and bleeding noses, which you know that's happened in our household, um, you want you want to make sure that they're calm, but allow them to figure out their own you know play routine and social status because that's actually healthy. They actually start to learn social skills from that. Mm-hmm. Okay, we could keep going down this road. I I actually think there's a lot of beautiful lessons in what you're sharing. And I I want to link those back to what does all this have to do with business strategy, with building a powerful business? I I know for myself that having those things on the home front taken care of really allows me to feel better when I'm out here with with people in business and really empowers me in executing. How do you teach that to, to someone, you know, that you're coaching and, and helping uh, develop their strategy in business? Yeah. I think the, the biggest thing there is, like I said before, your personal growth is a direct, you can say a factor for your business growth. 110%. In any business, the limiting factor, the bottleneck is always a CEO. Even if the CEO is not always around, you hire an executive team, you are still responsible for your organization, right? To to make the ultimate shots. So when you raise your level of skill, when you raise your level of what I call personal mastery and be able to make more, uh, more effective decisions or be more creative, your business will grow as a result of that. Mm. And that comes from learning about yourself as an individual, how your mind works, how your body works, how you think, for example, I'll just give you a, a small example is when we, uh, we know that there's a part of our brain called the default mode network, and that is the daydreaming network. And half the time, 50% of the time we're in daydreaming. But if we don't get our stuff in check at home and we daydream, what tends to happen, this has been shown by research, is that we daydream about all the negative stuff in our life. And so if you're going to daydream, why not daydream about the positive stuff? But that's not necessarily what happens. If your home life isn't in check, you will daydream about how to get your home life in check or what's wrong with your home life. So that's why when you deal with those things and those things are at a a level where you're satisfied or completely fulfilled, you have more energy to be able to put towards your business because our brain consumes about 30% of our calories, our energy. It's really interesting, anywhere from 20 to 30%. So if we have a limited amount of energy, which we know we do throughout the day, and we want to dedicate it to our business, well, we have to make sure that our life, our personal lives are actually working effectively. Otherwise, our brain is going to go back to those things. And we're not going to have the same fuel that we do in our business. And this happens all the time. This happened to me. This happens to a lot of our clients where 
they'll look back at a part of a period of the time or maybe the the existing time where they say you know what i'm just not making good business decisions i don't know what the heck is going on i know my stuff but i'm just not i'm I'm just not making great decisions or I'm not making decisions fast enough. And it's not because they don't, they don't, they're not skilled. It's just because they just don't have the mental or psychic energy to make those decisions effectively because there's something else on their mind. So these are the things that we train and we show guys how to improve their skills on or how to overcome challenging emotions. We all have challenging emotions, but emotions are energy. So when we take our the guys through the program, eventually what they'll learn is how to convert what we call a disempowering emotion into a positive or empowering emotion faster. Rather than ruminating over it, they're yeah. able to convert that emotion over. So now that's something that was bothering them or they're angry about, and they would have spent their maybe an hour, two hours, maybe even the entire day being angry about, now they can switch it over within a few minutes and actually use that energy to fuel them. So that's where it all comes in right and this type of energy so there's there's five elements right there's inspiration which is motivation there's skill advancement there's how you execute but more importantly creativity and problem solving skills and the last part which is about how do you sustain your performance and again this comes back to burnout the number one factor that Im impacts people in high positions executives and entrepreneurs is burnout and guess what? Burnout is not a result of how much work you have on your plate. Burnout is a result of your mindset, your, your, your bodily health, your emotional health, and whether you have a system to deal with the work that you're actually, the workload that you have. And that, um, I would say if anything plagues entrepreneurs, it's that. So we can show them how to perform at the highest level and not burn out eventually. Wow. That that's a very interesting point because I've found through my life that I've been burnt out so many times to the point that I recognized that I actually enjoyed that process to some degree. Hmm. I, I recognized that I was when I would push myself to that limit, it felt amazing you're like doing all of this stuff and you're going and going and going and then you break down and burn out and, and then you're like trying to get yourself back together you can't get yourself to do anything and everything is wrong with the world and everything's falling <laughs> apart right and then and i remember one day my wife saying yeah you you kind of do that every month and what we i started tracking it and found out that I was actually going through every three weeks, I would just drive as hard as I could, wouldn't sleep, wouldn't eat properly, all this kind of stuff. And then my body would just shut down for week four. And I did this for years and not knowing, not knowing that this was happening. And there, I was able to start making some changes. But what I realized in that was that I was actually addicted to the being busy nature. It was like I felt like I was accomplishing something, even though every time that I broke down, I actually pulled back further and then ended up having to generate all that momentum again. And there's a, there's a lot of interesting things wrapped up in what you're saying. What I want to say is that I recognized, and this is recently in life, I've recognized to me 
that motivation is a farce. To some degree, I, I don't even believe in motivation anymore. And I was like, it's a nice thing. You know, you get motivated. Let's hear some nice sayings and whatever. But I've found that when I live and work out of my commitment to life, to who I want to be, to the family man I want to be, to the who I want to be in the world, all of a sudden there was never, there's no longer a question of where the energy is going to come from. Mm -hmm. There's no longer a question of, am I giving too much? Because if it's in my commitment, there's all the energy that you ever need. And, and because I'm committed to these different things, you know, all right, it's time to pull back from here. And now I need to focus time on the family. Now I need to focus time on the wife. Now I, you know, exercising, uh, eating, not, not eating. I, I even do fasting at, at times. And, and it's interesting because even doing something like that, not eating, people are like, isn't that hard? I'm like, no, not really, because <laughs> it's in line with what I'm trying to, uh, who I'm trying to be in this world. And so there's something there and you can say something about that, but before you do, I want to throw out this other part, which is, there, I'm seeing something for myself between building a business and, uh, you know, and the ego, right? Like there's something between building a team and hiring employees for men. And whereas a lot of us tend to stay self-employed by ourselves because we feel important. We say, you know, I'm doing all of this stuff. If I get into these other areas, I don't know if I can control all of that. And, you know, how can I expand? And what if I mess that up? And sometimes you just get into building in a certain way and then you just stay there. Um, and I don't know how you can address either of those, but I just wanted to put that out there because that's what you made me think of with what you just shared. Yeah, I think there's there's something that you talked about. When, when you talked about motivation, I think that's very important. We talk about inspiration yeah. and that inspiration comes from within. Yeah. We don't we don't believe in motivational speaking or anything like that. But there's actually a biochemical signal to inspiration. Um, you know, we're almost coming up to the end point here in terms of this episode. But yes. there is a system and a formula that we've researched that will help people with inspiration. We know what that looks like. Yes. And there's certain elements to it. When those elements align, you will have more inspiration to be able to do the things that you want to do. Now, the last point that you talked about in terms of teams and business growing or growing a business and solopreneur, for example, it really depends on the individual. And it really depends on what the individual enjoys doing because we separate being a business owner versus being an entrepreneur. And so what do you enjoy doing? It, the question is to each individual. Do you enjoy managing people? Do you enjoy coming up with creative ideas? Do you enjoy coming up with new products and services? Do you enjoy the deal-making process? Once we identify what that person enjoys and what they are really good at, then we can identify how to help them structure their business. So not only A, does that business grow, but B, they're also fulfilled because one of the other things that plagues men in particular is they get bored if they're not aligned with what they're good at and what they enjoy doing. They can be making a ton of money, but if it's not presenting them with a certain challenge and they're not growing the skill set in the area that they enjoy, they get bored. They're no longer passionate about the business. So we could separate that. You can still make a lot of money and grow your business without being passionate, 
but you may lose interest. And so this is, this is where we fine tune things. This is where we find out about that particular individual, what drives them, what motivates them and what they're good at. And then we can actually figure out the best path for business growth, profit growth and long-term fulfillment in life. Pradeep, sign me up. Sign me up. <laughs> I love it. I love this conversation. Uh, thank you so much for sharing this. I, I've got a thousand more questions that I could ask, but I, I think for any of our listeners, they need to just go down to the show notes and, and check out Pradeep and uh, go learn more if you like this conversation, if you want to get more of him. Uh, is there a place that they can find you on social media as well? If, are you yeah. on Instagram and TikTok and stuff? Yeah, LinkedIn and Instagram are the two platforms that we're more uh, prevalent on. So feel free to connect there. And please let me know that you've connected or you've listened to this podcast episode. Love it. Love it. Yes. Uh, Pradeep, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, any any final words that you want to say uh, and leave with the listeners? I would just say for the people out there, and especially in the business world, we discount our emotions. So we don't think our emotions have anything to really do with business. They have everything to do with business. And so when you can figure out your emotions to actually help you help your or get your emotions to empower you, you're going to be a lot more successful in business. Our emotions will cause you to be confused. Emotions will cause you to slow down in terms of your business growth. That's where the power really comes in. If people think it's all about logic, yeah, but you know what? At the end of the day, your emotions overpower your logic and they will overpower you if you don't learn how to control them. Wow, that's a TikTok right there. <laughs> <laughs> Pradeep, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Uh, again, go check out Pradeep and, uh, and learn more about him. But thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, we'll, we look forward to having you on again in the new year. Yeah, thanks, Neil. This was great. I appreciate it. All right, guys. We will see you again next week on the Leadership to Wealth podcast. 